This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. The Illawarra Turf Club turned on a day to remember at Kembla Grange on November the 23rd to bring down the curtain on a remarkable Everest carnival. Mr Seawolf's win in the feature gave jockey James MacDonald a unique double, the hunter and the gong in the inaugural year of the two new races. There'll be a few more highlights before year's end. Thursday, December 12th, we'll see the running of the Wyong Magic Millions two-year-old classic and the Magic Millions three- and four-year-old stakes. To Randwick on Saturday the 14th of December for the running of the time-honoured Group 2 Villiers and the half-million-dollar English Nursery with the Group 3 Summer Cup scheduled for Boxing Day. Keep an eye out for one of the popular night meetings at Canterbury Park, a perfect venue for a Christmas party. The show rolls on in New South Wales racing as an unforgettable 2019 comes to a close. Our special guest on this podcast is a former jockey whose achievements will be well remembered by veteran racing fans and will spark the curiosity of younger fans. Sydney Gordon Spinks, who always preferred to be called Gordon, was one of Australia's most highly rated young jockeys in the 60s and 70s when trainers like Tommy Smith were regularly using his services. He learned the rudiments of race riding under the tutelage of the legendary Theo Green, who had budding champion Ron Quinton under his wing at the same time. And Theo often marvelled at the fact that he was lucky enough to have two apprentices of such boundless talent in his care at the same time. Gordon had several stops and starts during his riding career and three overseas stints which collectively kept him out of Australia for more than two years. He was still riding regular track work at Rose Hill in 1995 at age 48, but gradually phased himself out with a career tally of very close to 1,000 wins, including some of Australia's most coveted Group 1 races. Gordon Spinks is now 72 years of age. He's the father of three sons, he's the grandfather of five, and the great-grandfather of two. He's had indifferent health in recent times and he actually suffered a heart attack while driving his car eight years ago. He's currently awaiting the call-up to have bypass surgery, but thankfully he's well enough to join us on the podcast. Appreciate your time, Gordon. Yes, thanks for for inviting me, John. uh, It's come out of the blue, but I'm very happy to be... uh called upon to do this. Going back to that heart scare in 2011, you didn't realise you'd suffered a heart attack. No, well, as it turned out, I was working on a cattle station out at Blackwall in, in Western Queensland and uh, and I, I had a few problems with health and I, uh, I called in into to Longreach Hospital and they, they said that I needed a few tests but they only did them once a month, so they advised me to go to Brisbane to get them done, and mm. and on I, I I took time off and I and I drove to Brisbane, which was about fourteen hours away. Yeah. And um, when I got to Brisbane, I dropped into the, the doctor's surgery that I'd had previously, and uh, 
and they took a blood test and they told me that I'd had a heart attack within the last two weeks, mm. uh, which would have meant that I either had it before I left or had it on the way. Uh, I, I didn't realise it, but anyway, they put me straight into hospital and um, mm. they gave me two stents into the one artery, which was 90 and 70% blocked at either end. And uh, mm. and now these days, they're after, well, that, that was, well, it was in 2011, so mm. getting back eight or nine years and uh, they're, they're, they're starting to block again now and, Mm. Well, well, they didn't say block. They call it narrowing. It sounds better. Yeah. Anyway, they're, <laughs> they're narrowed anyway, and I uh, they advised me that uh, they'll need to go around them next time. So mm. at open, open heart surgery, but it's not as bad these days as it used to be, I suppose. You live in retirement at Palm View on the Sunshine Coast, a stone's throw from that beautiful racetrack at Calandra. Yeah, it's only about 10 minutes away, Calandra Racecourse, and, uh, you know, I, I drive past it a few times, but, well, you nearly have to to, to get into Calandra, into the township, but um, I, I haven't been to the races. I I, uh, I think I've only ever been to one race meeting since, mm. oh, 2000. Mm. So, uh, and that was... Oh, about five years ago, four years ago, I think I went to a race meeting at the Gold Coast. Mm. Uh, but I've never, I've never, uh, I've never hankered to go to a meeting. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm right out of the game. You know. Mm. Well, let's confirm or refute a theory that you are related to Andrew Spinks, who's riding in Queensland and rides plenty of winners. I think his son Adam is also a jockey. Uh, there is a relationship. Yeah, for a long time we didn't know. Um, well, he didn't know. I always suspected it that he'd be a, a relative because he came from Armadale and all my family came from Armadale. Mm. And um, we looked we looked right into it a bit and uh, I found out that his dad is my cousin, uh. which makes Adam my second cousin and his young fellow mm. – my third cousin, so there is a there is a a, a link there. Mm. You were born in Coffs Harbour in 1947. You moved to Sydney at an early age with your brother and two sisters, and the family settled at Villawood. Now, your dad, Alden, was a jack of all trades, as people were back in that era. Gordon, he could do just about anything. Yeah, he was he was pretty good at the time. We didn't realise it though. It's only since then. That, that we sort of really looked back and seen what he did do, but he mm. he built a couple of houses on the way from. Well, he he was born in Gyra on the mm. on the New England ranges, and um, he he built a couple of houses along the way, and then they went to Sydney. And uh, my sister and brother were born uh, in Sydney, so they uh, they must they must have went to Sydney, then went back to the bush, and then come back to Sydney again. Because on the way, I was born in Cox Harbour, and my youngest sister was born in Taree. Mm. But I don't remember all those things. I, I, uh, I, I only remember living in a tent in the backyard of an auntie's place at, at <laughs> Fairfield in Sydney. <laughs> That's a long time ago, of course. Yeah, one of your dad's specialities 
was the old world art of boot making. Yes, he he used to. Uh, I re- I remember him mainly as a welder. He used to work at a place called Unley and Sons at Redfern. Mm-hmm. Um, but he used to do a lot of boot making at home, mm. and he he used to uh, go out and get shoes from people's places and, and bring them home and repair them and then take them back to him. Mm. He charged about a shilling a pair or something. Yeah, uh, he was a marvel. Alden Spinks. Now, one of your Villawood neighbours owned a little pony which you couldn't keep your eyes off. You'd rig up little makeshift stirrups out of rope. You'd sit on the fence wondering how you could get your backside on that pony. Yeah, there was the pony. It was only a relative newcomer to Kerrang Avenue, and that was the name of the street we lived in. Mm. Uh, it was mainly scrub back those days, and um, this fellow called Mr Cassidy had this skinny old horse, and mm. I'd never been on one before. As I say, you say, I, I used to stick a bit of rope over the back fence that divided our yard and jump up on it and use the rope as stirrups and mm. thought I could ride, but I'd never had the opportunity. <laughs> and uh, anyway, this Mr Cassidy... I used to go over and look at his horse, and he, he he threw me up on it, and it was it was one of the highlights of the street at the time. Everybody come running over and ran home and told Mum that I was sitting on the back of this horse. That <laughs> that's the closest thing I'd ever gotten until I went to the circus on the end of the street when it came to town, and they they put a rope round me and threw me up on this thing, and then dragged me up off its back up under the roof of the tent, and then dropped me again. And, <laughs> that I'd never, never had anything to do. Being in suburbia, we didn't ever have room for horses. But, no. um, and I always thought I could ride, but I'd never ever tried. Yep. One day you spotted an advertisement in a community paper calling for expressions of interest in becoming an apprentice jockey. And that advertisement had been placed by a man called Theo Green who at that time had stables in Oak Street at Rose Hill and you couldn't get to Oak Street quickly enough. Yes, well, it was it was quite strange because leading up to that, I was all prepared to join the Navy. I, I, um, I just wanted to join the Navy if mm. I could and, um, and I was all prepared to do that. And all of a sudden, I, I was about 14 at the time and so it was a long time between jumping on the fence and Mr Cassidy's horse until then, so it was probably 10 years, mm. eight, eight to 10 years. And um, all of a sudden, when I saw in the advertisement in the paper, I it sort of come back to me a little bit and I thought, gee, I'd, I'd, I would like to do that because I remember standing on the side of the Hume Highway and watched Basil Andrews' Warwick Farm livestock trucks go past, the blue and red ones, and I used to mm. think, gee, Jockeys go in those, mm. and I can remember saying that and thinking that for years. But that seemed to come to the fore a bit when I saw this ad, and I thought, "Gee, maybe I'll be able to ride in one of those if I go to the stables." And, <laughs> and, and so I, uh, Mum said, "Do you really want to do it?" I said, "Well, yes, we'll go and see." So mm. uh, we jumped on the bus and went to Gramble and walked from Gramble Station to Rose Hill, which was a pretty warm day that day, yeah. and. Uh, and we found 27 Oak Street, and uh, and so we went in, and uh, 
and discuss what might happen. Mm. Now, Theo had two apprentices at the time, Frank Powier, better known as Johnny Powier, good writer, and a little bloke called Eddie French, who was homesick. Yeah, well, Eddie was the apprentice. Uh, Frankie, or Johnny as we used to call him, he... he um, he was he wasn't quite apprenticed yet. Well, he was apprenticed, but he he hadn't hadn't got his riding ticket. Uh, but Eddie was getting a bit homesick, so Theo said that you know there was no room for me there. But when he went, because Theo only had a handful of horses and he had to have a certain amount before he could have more than one apprentice. Mm. And um, he said once. Once he goes home, which would be about two weeks' time, well, then I could come and move in, which eventually happened. But in the meantime, I'd go to work every morning and and go home every night like a normal job. But Mm. um, once Eddie moved on, well, then I moved in. And and then I remember uh, Johnny, he got his his riding licence at Rosebury Racecourse before it closed down, just before it closed down. Mm. So... Yep. And then, uh, then I was just a stable hand for a fair while, and I, I, I didn't. Well, I couldn't ride. So, mm. well, Theo had a great little lead pony there at the time called Sandy, and Sandy was your first ride. Yeah, old Sandy. He sort of taught quite a few of us. He uh, actually was Sharon Green, which is Theo's daughter. Uh, it was her pony, and, uh, and we had this neighbour around the road. He used to come around every Sunday morning and put a set of colours on Sharon, which we call who we called Jock. That was a nickname, and she'd get led around the streets of Rose Hill on Sunday mornings on Old Sandy. But um, he was a good lead pony, but he was a, a, a cantankerous old thing. He was very cunning, and uh, mm. Theo used to ride him track work some mornings alongside us. And uh, and he used to duck out the gap all the time, but <laughs> throughout the day, once we could sit on, we'd we'd go over into the car park at Rose Hill, which was only dirt those days, and ride up over the hill and back, and mm. just get used to sitting on one. Yeah, he taught us a few things. Theo Green had been an apprentice jockey, and by his own admission, an ordinary one. But he did like to ride work with his apprentices. He was really your first tutor. Yeah, he rode work with all of us at different times, and um, oh, he, he was pretty hard. He was he was fair, but he was hard, and uh, you know because he was riding alongside us, he, he made sure that we sat right and our balance was right and things like that. And I I, I became pretty adept at, at doing that with him beside me and uh, mm. and then w- when he dropped off and I started to ride work on my own, there was a, a terrible horse at, at Rose Hill and a, a fellow called Kenny Montgomery who, who trained Bogan Road back mm. those days, he had this thing and it was, uh, it was called Bold Blonde and it used to bolt with me every single morning. I dreaded going <laughs> to get on it and Theo said to Kenny, if you don't mind, can he keep riding it because he will learn to end up handling this thing. Yeah. And so uh, Kenny agreed and so every morning I'd tremble and shake and wander around and get onto this thing and as soon as it stepped foot on the track it would go with me a couple of laps and mm. and then I mastered it one morning and then he sold it. So Goodness me. I remember Ken Montgomery. 
And you're quite yeah, right. Nice he did train Bogan Road. He was a great sprinter yeah. in his own right. Now, Ronnie Quinton is six months younger than you, so his apprenticeship didn't start until a bit after you. He had been there a couple of times doing work experience, but you'd have to say that you were stable mates uh, during your apprenticeships. Yeah, well, stable mates for a long time because those days the apprenticeship was about seven years. It ended when you were 21 and you started when you were 14. So mm. uh, these days you can start at 21 and end at 31, but mm. uh, those days it was a long, hard grind with one day off every fortnight. And uh, so we were together for about oh, probably six, six and a half years at the stables. And you were great mates back then and, in fact, that friendship has been maintained all these years. Yeah, well, well, we were, well, you live like brothers, you know. There, was, uh, there wasn't much room in the boys' rooms. There was only enough to swing a couple of cats. And mm. uh, and as Theo got better, he, he built more onto the boys' room, which meant that he needed more staff. And we finished up as about five of us lived in a room for about three. So, mm. um over time, well, you, you get you get accustomed to to people living that close, and uh, and we, everything we did, we did together. It was sort of uh, we didn't have any outdoor life those days. You weren't allowed out of a night. You weren't allowed to drive cars. You weren't allowed to do anything. Mm. So the closest we ever did was to to go up to town for for dinner of a night because Mrs Green was very sick at different times, and um, they used to send us up to. Uh, up to Parramatta to a Chinese restaurant for dinner every night, and uh, mm. and and that that was our main outing, part yeah. from our day off. Now you were christened Sydney Gordon Spinks, but you wanted nothing to do with the Christian name of Sydney from a very early age. Nothing to do with it at all. I still don't to this day. <laughs> uh, it reminded me of a a school kid with glasses and a satchel hanging over his back going to school, and I've <laughs> never thought of it in any other way. Yeah. People have shortened it to Sid. They've called, called me one thing or another over a period of time, but I despise Sydney mm. as a name. Sid, I don't mind, but I don't like being called it, so I much preferred Gordon throughout my whole life. Mm. Your first race ride was on to Linju at a midweek Randwick meeting, and you admit it wasn't the performance of a future top jockey. Well, it was scary, actually. I um, We'd had a few rides and jump outs and that. We used to go to Hawkesbury quite a bit, and, and there was barrier trials up there on Thursdays, so we'd go up there and we'd, we we knew what we had to do. And I, I, I got my licence at, at, in a barrier trial at Rose Hill on the Monday. And um, that meant that I could ride whenever. In those days, you could go straight to town. You didn't have to go to the provincials for a certain amount of rides or to the country. Mm. And my first ride was at Ramwick in a seven furlong maiden. By And a horse was called Tolinja. It was named after three kids, Terry, Lynn and June. And they had a little bit of each put into it and it mm. became Tolinja. Mm. And the fellow that owned it, was part owner of Golden Black later in years that mm. won the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, not Hugh Gage, was it? Huey Gage, yeah, mm. and he lived out at Ride. Yeah. 
not far from the ride swimming pool and I remember he had two ponies. One was Snowy and one was Bluebell that his kids didn't no longer need mm-hmm. and I had to go all the way to ride and lead Bluebell off Snowy all the way down Victoria Road and across the old bridge there, the Iron, Iron Bridge at Rose Hill, mm-hmm. all the way home on a Saturday morning in peak hour traffic and I've never been so scared in my life. <laughs> And we finished up with them when old Snowy had sort of had enough. Mm. The old, uh, the old, the old chestnut horse. Yeah. Uh, our first pony. You had to go all the way to Mudgee to ride your first winner. The horse was called Gull Cat. How did you come to get the ride at Mudgee? Well, we trained Gold Cat. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he was. He wasn't much good, but um, there were some people that called Cox. They owned a stud called Burrandulla up at Mudgee and old Terranian stood up there, the old stallion. Mm. And uh, and we trained Gold Cat. Well, Theo was never going to really keep him. He wasn't up to, up to the class of town or the provincials and the owners decided they wanted to take him home, so... Theo put him in a race, a maiden race up at Mudgee and I went up with them and rode him and uh, and he just happened to win. That was my first winner. I'd had a few tries on horses earlier in the piece but I think it was about the 23rd race ride I'd had before I, I happened to score one. So. Mm-hmm. Gordon, we'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with Gordon Spinks in a moment. The English Digital Online Sales have changed the landscape of mixed Australian thoroughbred sales forever. Now, rather than wait for a mixed sale through the ring, owners, breeders and vendors can offer their product within a matter of days thanks to the twice-monthly English Digital Online Auctions. English now presents an online auction in the middle of each month and another at the end. Since going twice monthly, the auction has averaged around 150 lots per sale and has exceeded a million dollars per sale with a clearance rate of almost 80%. To enter a horse or register a bid, visit englishdigital.com and follow the prompts or call 9399-7999. My special guest is former top jockey Gordon Spinks. Your first city winner was for Theo Green. It was a horse called Luna Boy at Randwick and you went very close to making it a double on the day because you were just nutted on a horse called the Somme in a later race. Yes, I I, uh, I rode old Luna Boy and the boss, Theo, said go straight to the front and on every bend skip around the bends and hold him up on the straight bits of the the track. And, mm. and so I, I, I did that and, and he, he led all the way, old Luna boy. He had a head on him like a 44-gallon drum <laughs> and he uh, <laughs> he, he won pretty easily. And uh, and then I come out on, on one of Teddy Stanton's horses, which Jack Ingham owned, and that was yeah. a pretty long association with the Inghams. Mm. Uh, called the Somme at a hundred to one, and he got beat a short half head. Yeah, and uh, I even protested, but because the thing that beat him was short price favourite, they decided that they wouldn't go that way and uh, keep the punters happy. 
You rode some pretty useful horses after that. Persian emblem, Irish sky, Lucifina, skinny-looking mare with the breastplate who could – she used to get back a long way, Gordon, but gosh, she had a booming finishing run, that mare, Lucifina. Yeah, Teddy Stanton trained her too for for a couple of fellas that lived in Auburn. Mm. Uh, one was a – I think one was up being the Lord Mayor almost and the other one just had a little earth-moving business. Buggy and Frogly, their name was. Mm, that's right. Uh, and uh, she was a good mare. She was, as you say, a skinny, tall, black little thing. And yeah. Uh, but but she she could gallop, and she was very hard to ride. You had to sort of get her out in one go. If you didn't pull her out from behind them, she wouldn't come out. Mm. And I think I, I I was the only one that ever won on her for a fair while. Mm. And then they transferred her from Teddy Stanton to Ray Guy. And, yeah. and uh, I think Malcolm Johnson might have won on her mm. after that. Tell but, you who did win on her one day, Cliffy Clare. Yeah, well, old Cliffy Clare, he, he sort of – I used to ride a lot for Teddy Stanton and then old Cliffy Clare come along and mm. uh, he he sort of more or less was stable rider at, at – uh, because I went to England and that probably gave him an opening to go into the Stanton camp. Mm. And at the time, Teddy was training all Jack Ingham's horses. So, mm. um, And that was the, the first time I ever went away and that's when Sweet Embrace won the, the Golden Slipper because I was mm. I would have ridden her had I stayed in Sydney and uh, mm. she won the Golden Slipper as a, as a maiden and old Cliffy Rhoda. Mm. That's one of the... One one of two that I missed out on in the, the Golden Slipper because a few years later I, I went to Ireland and uh, Fairy Walk. I was riding Fairy Walk for Tommy Smith, mm. and she got up and won it as a maiden too. But I was out of the country, so mm, with G Moore on board and with George Moore on. Yeah. Mm. Now uh, that's a term of endearment, of course. When we say old Cliffy Clare, it just seemed that Cliff had been around forever. And do you know, Gordon, he is still going strong. He's got to be 87 or 88. Well, he looked like he was 87 or 88 when I was a kid. And <laughs> like, like most people do, and they never change. If you were to go to the races today, you'd see the same heads and they'd still look the same. Yeah, I know what you But, uh, you know, I used to call him old Cliffy because he was a lot older than I was. And yeah, of course. I even looked at an old movie not long back called The Sundowners and damn me if he was in that. Mm. Yeah, is, is it you know? And they had one of those bush races in the Sundowners, and and, and there is his name up on the semaphore board, Cliffy Clare. And mm. I thought, my God, he is old. <laughs> so, but a nice fella. I used to like old Cliff. Oh, Actually, great he gave me a skull cap one day from yeah. America. He had a couple of the skull caps that he brought back from America. Mm. They would get sent from America anyway. He gave me one of those. I always, I always liked him, even though he took me job off me. Mm. I still liked him. Yeah, and a great bloke, Cliff, and great-hearted fellow and extremely popular and well-respected and, as I said, still hale and hearty in his late 80s. Hey, Gordon, you won a couple of races on a very classy mare called Seeley's Image in the mid-1960s. Unfortunately, you didn't get to ride her when she won the Stradbroke. I think Darby McCarthy rode her on that occasion. But she's probably best known... Uh, as the dam of a great horse called Imogil. Yeah, I had two rides on her, uh, and she she was trained at Warwick Farm, and um, 
of course, when when you're an apprentice, you, you you're told what to ride. You know, people book you through your boss, and um, mm. and so I I never knew what I was on until the last minute, and and she happened to be one of them. But I'd heard of her because of her career, and uh, I thought, gee, she'd be she's a good one to ride. And anyway, she she won a welter at Rose Hill the first time I rode her, and the second time. I rode her again, but the float broke down going to the races and she had to walk about three or four kilometres, well, they were miles then, mm. uh, to the races before she even won, but she did still finish up winning. Oh, no, she Great. was a bonnie mare. She won a Stradbroke. She ran second in the Doombin 10,000 the same year, and I fancy she won the Warwick Stakes as a three-year-old filly. Really? Oh, she was a top-class mare. Gordon, we're going to terminate segment one uh, of our interview. Um, it's been a delight so far and we've, I've got a lot more questions and I'm looking forward to hearing your answers to them in segment two with Gordon Spinks. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis.